0: The Pelicans played much better in their second summer league game, and you saw why Dyson Daniels is going to be getting minutes early on next year. And also, don't worry about the struggles from rookie Jordan Hawkins. It's Tuesday's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on Tuesday. Monday night, if you're listening early, had some technical difficulties trying to record after the Summer League game, so we weren't able to do it, so we're coming up a day late here, so I apologize for that. We did have the bonus episode over the weekend, too, after their first Summer League game. We'll be back to business as usual for the rest of the week. Um, programming note on that, though, it will be a live show on YouTube Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thursday, the Pels play, so we can't do it on then. So we'll do Wednesday at 7 p.m., and let's talk about Zion and... Does he need a jumper? Should he be adding to a jumper after some erroneous reports coming out today? And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday when stuff works, breaking down everything you want to know, whether it's Summer League, talking about Zion, the overall direction of the team. we got some trade rumors out there as well that I want to dive into this week. It's going to be a lot of fun, so never miss an episode. Become an everydayer. and comment down below on YouTube if you want to support the channel. So we'll look at Dyson. And just kind of the Summer League in general in segment one here, I want to look at Jordan Hawkins and EJ Liddell along with Darian Sebrin in the second segment. And then in the third segment, we'll talk a little bit about the in-season tournament because, honestly, I kind of like what they're doing there, even if it's overall not that big of a deal. But let's get to Summer League. Dyson Daniels kind of controlling the game for the Pelicans in this one. He finished with almost a triple-double, 17 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists, those are really good numbers for Summer League, I thought. Um, and really controlled the flow of the game in the fourth quarter as the Pelicans came back to win this one. But the win-loss and it was a win over the Warriors doesn't truly matter. It was, you're, you're looking for the way guys play. You know, I get asked a lot, like, why does Summer League matter? What do you, what do you learn from it? It was just on the radio saying this. Summer League is, it's like the definition of the eye test, I think. You know, you look at someone and you go like, Oh, yeah, I see it. They do something or they have a stretch where you're like, oh, yeah, I really, really see it now. You know, it's literally like like, I know it when I see it kind of thing. That's summer league to me. Are they doing what they should be doing? And then are they popping a little bit? And when you see that, you're like, oh, okay. And that means you're not looking at a box score and looking at Dyson Daniels and go, well, he had 17 points. That's great. But was on 18 shot attempts. He was six of 18 from the field. That's a third. He was just 2 of 10 from the three-point line. You look at that and you're like, wait a second, that's not great. But it's about just kind of looking at them and being like, oh, I get it. And Dyson trying to take over the game and just playing downhill and kind of realizing that like this was him and he could do whatever he wanted made me kind of see it. And I do think this is somewhat good preparation for him. There's going to be times with a second unit of him and maybe one other starter out there and then three bench guys that he can be aggressive and be attacking and play downhill like he did. This team has struggled with rebounding at times. We know he's a good rebounder, but go and get as many boards as humanly possible. And he did in this one. So seeing all of those things that he's doing, that makes me think he's he's ready. And he's so disruptive defensively, capable of taking on big assignments. LeBron, Luka, you know, that we saw from him last year. If he just does enough offensively he'll be fine and he'll get minutes. And even if you put him with like the starters, say he's an early sub off the bench or something like that, you know, he doesn't need to try and score and shoot and he can just do all those other things. Think of a Herb Jones esque role for him, but more backcourt based like that works. There's a player there that the Pelicans could really use. And so I think he should be getting minutes early on to start the year. And then a game like this where he's like, okay, my shot's not falling when I like that he kept shooting. I don't mind him taking 10 threes. I think that's good. But the shot's not falling, so I'll, I'll go impact the game in other ways. That is, like, exactly what you want to see from some of these young guys in these type of moments. So I was really happy with how Dyson Daniels played and how Dyson Daniels has played, and, and you see it from him. The shot's going to be a work in progress. We already knew that, and that's not something that's going to turn around overnight. And he seemed pretty confident in it, saying after the game. "It's like a bunch of them went in and then just came out. So he's like, I think it'll be fine. I think my shot's doing pretty well. If the shot even gets, like, average we're in a good spot with Dyson Daniels I think because of what he does elsewhere the keeps the ball moving has shown the aggression to get downhill he using his size to his advantage you know all of that love it like I think he's going to be fine still very high on what he's capable of doing for this Pelicans team speaking of the team by the way How awesome was it to see everybody there that was there in summer? You had Gail Benson there, which is cool. She doesn't need to show up to watch a bunch of players that are never going to make the team play. And she was there sitting courtside talking with David Griffin. You also had Herb Jones there, Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall, Jose sitting courtside. And the one that surprised me a little bit was Larry Nance Jr. And that was awesome. He, who had been home in Ohio, I believe, to get out of the heat of New Orleans, decided to go brave the heat in Vegas to be around the team. Like, you love that sort of like thing from him just to go out there and like hustle and be with these guys and spend time with them and build relationships and all of that summer league is like you know it's almost like come back to school like first day back of school when you're like good to see you again how was your summer and all of that even though then they get like another little break here but it's been about two months and you know a little bit over since the Pelican season ended so to get back with some of the guys I think is a wonderful thing to see for them to go out there you know take the time when they don't have to that's an awesome thing and we're hearing reports that Zion Williamson is going to be with the team we might see him on Tuesday night's game depending on when you're listening to this and I wouldn't be shocked if he makes an appearance there so that's exactly the kind of like buy-in and type of attitude you want to see from these guys like Jose Alvarado being interviewed during the game talking about you know the, the FIBA game not FIBA what is it the World Cup games I think where he's going to yeah it's FIBA he's going to go play against Brandon Ingram and they're both looking forward to it and during the interview they FaceTimed with Brandon Ingram which was so cool just like a moment there where Jose is given an interview on ESPN and it's like, let's get B.I. on here because Jose's talking trash and now B.I. wants to talk some trash back to him, but in a friendly, fun way. Love to see the camaraderie from these guys on the team, especially showing out like that, which makes you want to root for them even more. So overall, look, some really wins cool, but it's everything else that you're seeing from Dyson just to the team being close is what makes me more excited about the Pelicans next season than some of the actual play on the court. And... It wasn't, you know, all like sunshine and roses. There were players that struggled, like EJ Liddell and Jordan Hawkins. We'll talk about them next. I'm not worried about Hawkins or Liddell, and Hawkins actually showed you something that I think is a little underrated that happened late in the game, and I'll let you know what that was. Coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Ibotta. It's officially summer. That means new clothes but 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 your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make those purchases now you can also watch your cash back grow with each purchase with ibotta like on the pelicans uniforms ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items and produce to personal care to pantry goods you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back it's that easy and the average ibotta user earns 120 dollars a year in cash back Cover the cost of a whole grocery trip like that. You know, other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but Ibotta gives you real cash back that you can just, Cash out, basically. And you earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the promo code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store, like the Pelicans Uniforms, and use the code LOCKED. And thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, unless there's technical difficulties, but we're back. We're straight, still looking good, still setting up the studio. So the audio is going to be a little bit better soon enough. And so I appreciate you making Lockdown Pelicans part of your day, Monday through Friday, Become an everyday, if you want to support the channel beyond just listening, comment down below on YouTube. It's like the number one thing you can do. It's super easy. takes a second. I've been responding to a lot of y'all out there. It's been fun. So come hang out in the YouTube comments with me. So let's get back to talking summer league. Let's look at Jordan Hawkins, who struggled with his shot in this one. Seven of 15 is not bad. 16 points on the night. Okay. But just one of six from three and He's a three-point shooter. He's the best movement shooter in the draft. I'm not worried about him whatsoever. You see a couple of areas he needs to work on. The the ball handling needs to get a little bit better. You know, when they they put a lot of ball pressure on him, a defender right on him, he turned it over more than you would have liked to have seen. Four turnovers in the evening for him. But that's okay. He's a rookie. He doesn't need to be doing that. He's not going to be handling the ball like that a ton at the NBA level either. I want him to come in and hit shots, but he missed him. Yeah, but he's getting good looks, and shooters just have bad games, let alone a guy playing in his like second NBA kind of NBA action ever. And what I loved about Jordan Hawkins the most in this game was late in the fourth quarter, as the Pelicans were mounting a comeback, eventually took the lead, won the game. He came down, curling off to the left side, hit a mid-range jumper, Um, it probably was about like 15 feet, 12 feet, something like that, somewhere in that range and like just swished it easy. This is a guy who had been struggling with his shot all night. And I don't want to call this a big moment because it's summer league, right? Like the stakes don't truly exist, but it's not, not a big moment, I guess for him. And he comes out and gets the ball and just gets to his spot and gets the shot that he wants, elevates squares up. Shoots it, makes it, it was really the dagger that, you know, iced the game, I thought, for the Pelicans, getting that big bucket. Wasn't afraid of the moment. Wasn't like, let me get it to Dyson, let me get it to to Sebrin, who was playing really well. He was like, no, I'm going to just go and do what I need to do, and I'm capable of this. And I thought that was pretty fantastic from him. You know, I thought that, like, that was a performance that you exactly want to to see from him. Those not scared moments to shoot. And that's what I love uh, in a shooter. You don't want them to have any trepidation. And he didn't. That's awesome. Rookies don't always have that. You know, Damian Lillard did as a rookie. But you don't really always see that from players, let alone you know other guys that aren't going to be kind of like the focal point of the team. And yet he went out, and it was like, yep, I'm going to take this shot, I'm going to hit this shot, and he made it. I don't know. You can have a bad night shooting, and that that seems fine to me because if you're going to go and do do that, I feel like really good about what he's capable of doing. And a big-moment guy where the Pelicans need some clutch, yeah, sign me up. You know, EJ Liddell struggled a little bit, In this game too, he did not shoot. Well, where did the stats just go? One of six. You know they're easing him back in. You can very clearly see it. But he was aggressive. He was aggressive. He had you know a nice block in the beginning of the game to really kind of set the tone. He plays much taller than he is. Six foot seven, but he plays much bigger. Isn't scared to kind of make that second effort on defense. Was aggressive. Got to the line. One of six, but scored eight points. That says something, right? Six of six from the free throw line. Liked what we saw out of him. Struggled, but. Look, I got zero expectations for him. But the real star of the show, outside of Dyson Daniels, I think, because he's the most important player, was Darian Sebrin here with 25 points. This was a hyper-efficient night. After he really struggled, really struggled in game one. Seven turnovers, I think it was. None of that in this. He was 8 of 11 from the field. 25 points on 11 field goal attempts is Outstanding. That's better than what Zion does. That's how efficient he was. 9 of 13 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, just 2 turnovers. Really way to kind of get right mentally, get out in the game, and let, not let the pass kind of impact you in a negative way like that. He went out and was like, I'm faster than anyone. No one can stop me from getting to the rim. And if you try and stop me, it's going to end up in a foul. So he did it. Didn't need to shoot threes. Didn't need to do anything that he's not particularly good at. He took one three and missed it. And then everything else was him just attacking. And that's, that's his role. That's what he should be doing. Basically, everything was within six feet of the rim after that. Probably less than that. Probably looking at the shot chart, like four feet. That's what you want to see from him. Does that work at the NBA level? I'm not sure. But the Pelicans don't have a guard that relentlessly attacks like that. And with his size and with his speed, maybe there's a place for him to get minutes at the NBA level. If they keep him on a two way and you need some depth there, like give him a try. You know, it seems like you might want to give him a shot over a guy like Kyra Lewis Jr. at this point where, you know, I didn't think Kyra was turning a corner before that knee injury happened. But now that you know he's not, he just doesn't have a future with the team because of the money, I don't know. Maybe give whatever minutes Kyra might get to, Seaburn here and see if he's capable of going out and giving you anything but he had a fantastic game I said we don't really need to see that much more of him and then the beginning I'm like are we really going to do this and then it's like oh there it is I see what's happening here and I like that he recognized it didn't try and do too much you know just played to his strengths which was not something he was doing in game one where he's making some really there's awful passes, but 25 points, seven rebounds, three assists with just two turnovers from him is a fantastic game and something that, all right, now I'm a little more intrigued. You know, he did well in the G league last year scoring over 18 points per game. You know, I don't know if it's again, it's summer league, take it for what it is, but it's, you see, there's a talent there. There is a specific skill there. And so do they maybe want to give it a shot? I'm not saying they should, Something to at least ask that question about. So coming up next, let me know. Do you want to see Sebrin play for the Pelicans this coming season? So coming up next, let's switch gears. Let's talk in-season tournament from the NBA because I've seen a lot of people be like, what is this? Why is this a thing? I get it. Like, I get what they're doing, and honestly, I like it. There's no reason not to do this. I think this is a pretty great idea and i'll explain why I'm coming up here next in today's episode of locked on pelicans and thank you for making locked on pelicans your first listen today and every day we're here monday through friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about this pelicans team subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we're on youtube as well become an everyday or if you're an everyday or let me know in the comments down below on youtube the two best ways to support the channel you're doing it all at once if you're telling me you're in every day or and commenting. So let's let's switch gears from Summer League. And let's look at the NBA's in-season tournament. And I'm not going to go into the specifics of the breakdown. Like, you can read about that if you want. Basically, what they're doing, though, is they're taking some regular season games and calling them cup games. And those count as your group stage games, similar like Champions League or the World Cup, something like that. And then the top team from each group advances along with two wild cards. It doesn't matter how they're chosen or anything like that. So eight teams move on because there's six groups. So you go from there and and it's just a knockout stage thing where it could be two more games and you get to, you know, the finals and that's that. And that'll be played in Vegas. The group stage games are basically just regular season games for you. They're all regular season games. They're just going to say, this one's a little more special than the other. It's really as simple as that. You're going to look at it and it's going to go, this is a little more special than these other games. They're going to take place in November, December. You're in groups of five and they're all from your conference. The Pelicans have the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Mavs, and the Rockets. And when the schedule is released, those will be in a different color. And you play two you, at a home and away game, I believe, against them. And they count as just cup games. And we're going to build this into the regular season. So it's not really adding a ton of extra games or anything like that. You know, one of, the, one of the things I've seen people say, and when the idea of this in the first place came in was like, does anyone care? Well, now I care about winning that tournament game because it's a regular season game too. And it counts towards the standings. So I didn't want to lose that in the first place. I definitely don't want to lose it now. It's not like this is going to be a cup in the middle of the season, another tournament that's separate, but you're playing the same team, so I don't care about this, so I'm going to rest my guys and we'll play backups. No, these games still matter, and now they matter a little bit more. And then the extra stuff in Vegas, playing for more prize money, like, cool, that's it. Like, that sounds kind of fun to me, and it's easy. So you get the group play. It's going to take place from... November 3rd to the 28th and then you get into the knockout rounds which will be in Vegas right quarterfinals semifinals championships. so it could be three more games very cool I love all of this and it, again counts towards the regular season standings for both stages the group stages and the knockout games because of probably how they're going to schedule it. so if you play a team in the knockout round it's just one of your regular season games that they've moved up to that time essentially so I like this idea you know the part of the problem is always people saying the regular season doesn't matter, right? This gets to the question of like why are we doing this? Is this solving anything? It absolutely is. The regular season for sure is under is devalued in the NBA. There's there's nothing wrong with saying that, right? But now you made eight of these regular season games for the Pelicans more interesting than they would have been otherwise where there's just a little bit more at stake than there would have been otherwise. I wouldn't say the stakes are insanely high. You know, no one's going to remember that you won an in-season tournament game or even if you've won the whole thing. No one's, you know, going to put that on their Hall of Fame resume. But, look, you're already going to play that game anyway. You add a little bit of extra stakes to it. I care now. I'm going to pay more attention to it and be like, they can't lose this one. So, you go from, like, a devalued regular season game to... Still a devalued regular season game, but not nearly as bad as it was before. I don't know. That seems to fix a problem for me. I like the idea of it. Do I particularly care? No. Am I going to be excited if the Pelicans win the in-season tournament? Yeah, sure. But I'd rather make the playoffs, even if you get bounced out in the first round. But there's something to be said for competing and winning. But will I buy a t-shirt? Yeah, maybe actually. Hang a banner somewhere? Sure, why not? But ultimately, it's it's kind of you know the second thing you're playing for, which is the first being make the postseason. But if it makes some of those regular season games a little more valuable, a little bit more meaningful, sign me up. No, no problem with that. And I'm glad they didn't just add a ton of extra games since what the regular season needs to do, and this is a discussion for another day, is reduce the amount of games that the teams are playing. But this seems like a good compromise to add a little bit more excitement to random regular season games that might not be exciting or important otherwise. So, way to add some stakes, even if the stakes are still low. Let me know what you think in the comments down below on the in-season tournament. I don't mind it. Got no problem with this. Though I don't think it's the most exciting thing in the world. But I'm curious your thoughts. So, tomorrow, recap the third Summer League game. See what we saw from those guys. We're also going to do a live show Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'll get it scheduled since the Pelicans play on Thursday. We're going to be covering it all here. On Locked On Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And we'll be back with y'all tomorrow.